Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi guys, welcome back to With Wit. Today, I have a very special guest, Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Will Cole is a leading functional medicine expert and consults people around the world via webcam and locally in Pittsburgh. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. He is here to teach me about functional medicine as well as talk about his new book, Inflammation Spectrum, Find Your Food Triggers and Reset Your Immune System. Get out whatever you take notes with because we are about to learn a lot. Here is Dr. Will Cole. Hello. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like inflammation is such a buzzword, you know, and something that a lot of people have heard of but don't necessarily know what it is or what causes it. So I think the first thing that probably everybody wants to know is just to describe and explain exactly like what functional medicine is cuz I for one don't 100% know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good place to start. I mean, a functional medicine, if you had to compare it to conventional medicine, is that we are evidence-based like conventional medicine, but we are more concerned with what's driving the symptoms. Uh, The symptoms are important. We have to look at them, but we want to understand, and this is a functional medicine term, what is upstream? What's the root cause of why somebody's feeling the way that they are? Mm -hmm. So we look at labs using a thinner reference range. So anybody that's listening, when they go to their doctor, they'll get their labs and the labs have this reference range where they're being compared to. Well, we get that reference range on labs from a statistical average of people who go to labs. And people that go to labs aren't the healthiest bunch of people. So there's a lot of people, especially women that go and they have these symptoms, they're in tune with their body and they know something's wrong, but the doctors say, everything's fine, the labs are fine, you're just depressed, here's an antidepressant, or Mm -hmm. you're just getting older, or you just need to lose weight, Mm -hmm. all of these reasons. But what they're unintentionally telling their patient is you're a lot like the other people with health problems that you're being compared to on this reference range. 
So in functional medicine, and the Cleveland Clinic has a functional medicine center. That's who's trained myself and my team, uh, the Institute for Functional Medicine, IFM. We're looking at optimal health. So we're taking people with health problems out of the reference range, and we're looking at where is vibrant wellness and comparing you to that so we can get you there. And then we run more comprehensive labs. We're looking at underlying issues like microbiome issues or toxicity issues or hormone imbalances to look at these pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And then we realize we're all different. There's not a cookie cutter, one size fits all approach to getting healthy. So we use food as medicine, we use natural medicine, like herbal botanical protocols as medicine, mm-hmm. lifestyle changes and medications when needed. I mean, some people need to be on medication. So it's really the confluence, a comprehensive approach to healthcare. I mean, it's really unbelievable. I wish that I would have known you when my dad were here six and a half years ago. Now my dad passed away from kidney cancer and for a year he was battling with it. And my family and I were constantly trying to work on his diet with him because this is something that he never took care of his entire life. And we thought, you know, even though he was diagnosed with stage four, we couldn't change the past. So we thought, why not try to do something right now? And he was really reluctant just because at that point, when you're diagnosed with stage four, you're so sick that you're not really having the energy to care about what you're putting in your body, nor do you have the appetite. But, you know, I've always thought about what would have changed had he had a healthier diet or had someone really looking at his labs closely to give him like a set set of instructions, even mm-hmm. obviously before he got diagnosed. So how right. did you get started doing this like and get interested in this field because it is so necessary. I mean, so much of healthcare now is like, just like you said, it's, it's this kind of industry for the masses and we're not really taking like a singular approach. And so what made you want to get started and, and do this? Yeah. And first of all, I'm really sorry for your loss and that's horrible, like losing anybody that you love like that. But yeah, it's honestly, if I had to say, like I would say my family really, in many ways, were a major part of me coming into functional medicine. I grew up in a home that was interested in wellness in Mm -hmm. like the 80s and 90s before it was a cool thing, before the wellness industry is what it is today. Mm -hmm. So that informed me early on as using food as medicine and and being, uh, you know, more naturally minded as far as what we eat and the things we put, uh, you know, use on our skin and our hair and the products we use. Mm -hmm. And then Later on, it was, I knew I wanted to get into healthcare and I have autoimmune conditions on both sides of my family. And I kind of mm-hmm. saw what that did. And I knew like, I wanted to do everything I could to help them and help other people. When you look at the statistics of autoimmunity, it's pretty astounding. 50 million Americans is estimated with autoimmune conditions, most of them women. And that's what I saw in my family. And now like all these years later, I consult people around the world and I see those stories over and over again, these people suffering and trying to do the best they can. They're going to their doctors, they're compliant patients, but Mm -hmm. they're still struggling. So my heart and my passion is just to like immerse myself in their story and doing whatever I can to improve their life, to get them healthy as much as their body will allow. And we're seeing amazing results over the years and really allowing people to get their quality of life back and to put these things into remission and to lower that inflammation that's that's impacting their life. Mm-hmm. And you and your team 
primarily do this through, you know, a webcam or is it like 50-50, you know, with actually seeing patients too? I just think that's so fascinating that you've opened yourself up to pretty much everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, have primarily have a virtual functional medicine practice mm-hmm. and over 90% of our patients are seen online. Wow. So we have these like nice essential oils diffusing in the clinic and no one gets to smell them but my team <laughs> because everybody <laughs> in other like states and countries right. but that's the cool part that's how we're connecting now this is an awesome time that we live in where we can connect with people that maybe don't have access to someone in their own city or town and mm-hmm. i love it it's so much fun but people sometimes will fly in or drive in the first visit just to see me face to face they don't have to do that but that's what my day job is is, is consulting patients with these issues that's amazing. I mean, is there a point in which you feel like you need to see the patient in person or does it usually not come to that? Is that usually on the patient's terms? It's because we're not replacing their primary care physician. We're not replacing their local doctor. We're just giving them a functional medicine perspective. We're working in conjunction with whatever they're already doing at home. Mm-hmm. So a physical exam, like I can't do the physical exam. So they're doing the local PCP or the general practitioner is doing that or their specialist managing, managing the medications. I'm not adjusting that. What I'm doing is looking at these root facets, like finding out what are the missing pieces to your health puzzle? Mm-hmm. How do we overcome that and give guidance and a support system and structure to their life to start using functional medicine in their life to get them healthy mm-hmm. so their doctor can reduce and eliminate medications as they can, as they, as their health improves. Mm-hmm. So it's a super exciting experience. I just don't have to be there in person. And if, if, if I do need to be there with them, like if something needs to happen, I will refer them to someone local so they can get the care that they need. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have this new book coming out, Inflammation Spectrum. This is so excited. First of all, when is it being released? It comes out October 15th. Okay, amazing. In a couple weeks. So how did you decide inflammation was the topic that needed to be covered? Like what brought you to that point? It's such a commonality between so many health problems. And you mentioned the horrendous the nature of cancer and mm-hmm. heart disease and autoimmune conditions, even things like that the common person would even think is inflammatory, like anxiety and depression and fatigue. These are all inflammatory issues and they all have that commonality of chronic inflammation. And it's, these are the people that I spend my time with that I'm working on their wellness with. So I knew I wanted to write the inflammation spectrum as my second book to really educate people on, hey, look, this is impacting most of us. This is the majority of the human race at this point. And we are seeing epidemic rises of things like cancer and heart disease and autoimmune conditions. What can we do? Because at the same time, while the numbers are rising, what does that also mean? It means that we understand more and more about it in the scientific literature and ways to improve outcomes. And these are largely improvable and reversible and healable, supportable things through lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. And you look at the amount of money we're spending on healthcare and the amount of money we can save, not just in healthcare costs, but in the quality of life of not having these things in such major ways in our lives is that's why I wanted to write the inflammation spectrum because inflammation exists on a spectrum from mild symptoms like mild fatigue or mild background anxiety mm-hmm. or digestive problems to the other end of the spectrum where it's full-blown cancer, autoimmune conditions, and then everything between on that inflammation spectrum. So it's allowing people to become conscious of where their 
health is that. Right. Because most people, they think just because something's common, they could equate that with normalcy. Just because something's common doesn't make, mean it's necessarily normal. Mm-hmm. So these health problems, I mean, you look at fatigue and anxiety and depression, autoimmune conditions, they're ubiquitous, but they're not normal. These are things that people should start checking in with their body and saying like, how do I want to feel? Like, where is my health? And start doing things about it. So we're having the discussion in the book about how to use food as medicine specific to you, which is the heart of functional medicine, mm-hmm. and finding out what your body loves and what your body hates. And we're going beyond food as well. And we're looking at lifestyle things like toxins and stress and sleep and how these all of these epigenetic things that we do in our life are constantly and dynamically instructing inflammation in our body. And our goal is to balance and calm inflammation mm-hmm. because so many people have too high inflammation. Right. But what are some of the specific things that you think is causing the most inflammation in people? I mean, obviously I know that inflammation, there can be so many different kinds of inflammation, but like through all your studies, what, what are some of the things that are causing the most amount of inflammation that happens in all of our daily lives? Well, it starts with food and what we've done to our food supply. I mean, you look at the the, this, our health of our soil and the, like the, what, what they refer to as the soil microbiome, mm-hmm. all the microbes and healthy beneficial bacteria in our soil and the depletion of that and the genetic modification, the hybridization, the crossbreeding, the spraying mm. of our crops. I mm. think that that's a major player. Right. Uh, and I mean, researchers estimate that our genetics haven't changed in like 10,000 years. Yet, yet if you look at what has changed, in a, very dramatically in a very short period of time, it's our food supply, it's our environment. So what we're doing to our earth is not only impacting the planet, it's impacting our own, like on a microcosm level, we're having climate change on an individual basis with inflammation. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going on right now when you look at the levels of chronic health problems. So it's the food, but it's the environment as well. So our water supply, our air supply, uh, toxin exposure, all of these things are inundating our genetics, which again, our genetic predispositions for certain things have been around for 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. So why is it being triggered like never before? Well, it's largely our environment. It's epigenetics that is turning on these genetic predispositions, sadly. But again, there's so much things we can do. I mean, while it's sobering to hear these statistics, Mm -hmm. there's so much you can do to dramatically reverse chronic health problems, to decrease risk factors, to improve your quality of life. So that's really the message is not to scare people, but just to encourage them and to lift them up to realize like we have to do something different to see something different. Mm -hmm. And hopefully this message resonates with people. Right. I mean, because of course, there's only so much we can control, right? Like we can definitely control what we're putting in our body. That's for sure. So there obviously is so much power in the information that you are are giving to everybody in terms of like the food and lifestyle plans. But how, what what kind of lifestyle changes do you think that one can make to mitigate the effects of inflammation? You know, what are some of the things that they can do that they actually do have control over? Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I, I definitely am a major advocate of doing the best you can with the access you have mm-hmm. and then giving the rest to God. I mean, don't stressing about your health and worrying, have anxiety about it isn't good for our health either. Right. So this is really just a message of not like stressing and like, I have to live in a bubble. I can't live any, do anything, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's, what can I do today? The best of my ability. And then like, don't stress about the rest because our body is amazingly resilient mm-hmm. and it wants to survive. 
And I find that even just small changes for most people can do amazing things in improving their life. They don't have to be perfect. So I, there's some simple things. The way I advocate it in the inflammation spectrum in the book is we start with the quiz. So the quiz is enabling the person, the reader, to find out where they're at on the inflammation spectrum. Mm -hmm. So depending on their quiz score, they're going to have a different plan. So maybe hormones are more of a uh, focus for one person, maybe the digestion bigger for another person. They're all going to have their own prescriptive food plan and involve using specific food medicines to calm inflammation and improve health. Mm -hmm. So we start with a tailored elimination diet approach to calm inflammation. So that's removing foods that are more likely to be inflammatory. So we're going off of what I call the core four, and that's uh, grains, uh, that's wheat and you know oats and rice and barley and corn and all of the grains, mm -hmm. uh, dairy. And we talk about sugar and high omega-6 oils or like canola oil and things like that. So I'm not saying all of those things are bad for everybody, but my goal is for you to find out what your body loves, go off of them for a while, and then reintroduce them and see how you feel. Okay. And then we have more advanced tracks depending on the person's quiz score. So we have what's called the eliminate plan, which is like the number eight instead of ATE. If you need a play on words, I'm, I'm your guy on that stuff <laughs> throughout the whole book. <laughs> but basically, we remove nightshades and uh, nuts and seeds and legumes for people that need that. And mm -hmm. then they can try reintroducing it and see if they like. Right. We're all different. That's right. the heart of functional medicine. Some mm -hmm. people have problems with these foods. Some people don't. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to make any broad sweeping, overgeneralized statements about what's right for you. because. Right. As seeing patients as my day job, I'd be proven wrong all day long if I hung my hat on like this magic diet that works for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I really want people to learn how to use food medicine for them and have that food experiment through the book. Right. And now a word from our sponsor. So to be perfectly honest, my deodorant has always been kind of like an emotional thing for me. I have been using the deodorant that my dad used to use for the past six years since he passed away. But I realized that as much as it means to me and as much as I think of him whenever I use it, the deodorant he was using was not good for me. I made the switch to Native because it is a natural deodorant and natural deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on odor and wetness protection. The great thing about them is that you know it's an amazing product when you have 8,000 five-star reviews. You also know all the ingredients that are in them. Less is more when it comes to Native. They have fewer, simpler ingredients, so you know everything that's in them. Aluminum may be linked to some serious health ramifications. It's one of the reasons why I decided not to use the deodorant my dad was using anymore. Native is actually aluminum-free, safe, and effective. It also comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. I, right now, personally love the lavender and rose. It smells like a spa, and I love it every time I use it. The coconut and vanilla is actually the most popular scent, so I highly recommend that one. It has no risk to try. They offer free returns and exchanges in the USA. So if you guys are like me and have been using something that you don't know everything that's in it, Head to nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code WITHWIT to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, that's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code WITHWIT for 20% off your first purchase. And now back to our conversation. 
Can we talk about sugar for a second? Because this is something that I struggle with. I'm not the kind of person that eats a lot of like processed sugars, you know, fake packaged things, but I do eat a lot of, you know, natural sugars, fruits. I drink a lot of juices. I'm just, I have that kind of like need for a little bit of something sweet and tangy. But recently I spoke to someone and they were just telling me how bad even the natural sugars are. And especially because I get headaches that they, you know, deplete your body and they deplete your energy. And so uh, I'd love to know your opinion on sugar. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. And I've heard it once. I think this is a good way of seeing sugar and even the natural forms. It's like sugar is like a recreational drug. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't use it often. (laughs) Even the natural stuff, it is not necessarily the best to have in higher amounts. Look, We all have different tolerances to sugar. Some people are more carb tolerant, meaning they can handle more carbs and they're fine. Like sugars from fruits or starches or grains, like they can handle more of it and you won't see any negative impact on that. Mm -hmm. And then some people are really carb resistant, like people that are insulin resistant. So that's part of the inflammation spectrum. It's defining out like how you handle your blood sugar. And some people are on this sort of blood sugar roller coaster and they need to get off of that roller coaster and to become more of a fat burner. And that is a conversation that I have in the inflammation spectrum and my first book, Ketotarian, which is a mostly plant-based ketogenic book, mm-hmm. um, use fat for fuel instead of sugar. There's a place for sugar burning, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that's what you're getting with those like green juices or like the fresh pressed juices that are out there or of uh, lots of fruits. You are getting like kindling on a fire and kindling on a fire, it'll create a flame. You'll get light from it. You'll get fuel from it, but it's short-lived. So you need to keep putting more kindling on to maintain that light. Mm -hmm. The alternative is burning fat for fuel. So I think there's a place for it if you tolerate it, but maybe consider going off of it for a couple weeks and focusing on healthy fats instead. So more, if you're going to have a green, a juice, go for just a green juice without the fruit or maybe make a smoothie even better, like add avocado to that and make it uh, more like healthy fats, like coconut milk mm-hmm. and avocado and some greens and a little bit of berries, mm-hmm. just to lower that, that fructose amount, which fructose, even in its whole food form, which is the fruit sugar, it still can be hard on the liver in higher amounts for some people. Interesting. So, you know, that's some food for thought, no, no pun intended there, but there's something <laughs> to think about. I actually did not mean to have to have play on words. No, it's, you're you, obviously so good at it. It just comes naturally to you. <laughs> Yeah. I wake up in the middle of the night and I like tap my wife. I'm like, this would be good in a book. I need to like write this down before I forget it. (laughs) Yeah. You always have to keep a piece of pen and paper next year. I'm sorry, a piece of paper and a pen next to your bed. Yeah. yeah, Right now I'm looking at this juice I'm drinking. It's called the Tranquility from Creation that I honestly probably am now having like every other day, if not every day. And it has coconut milk, coconut meat, turmeric, pineapple, mango, orange, cashews, plant protein and tocos, which a lot of that sounds good. But then obviously the pineapple, the mango, the orange, Mm -hmm. I could probably do a similar kind of thing without that. Yeah, totally. You have the base there. I mean, the the base is fantastic. You could just switch it for a lower fructose fruit, like berries, Mm -hmm. uh, and you dramatically lower the amount of fructose. And I think creation is great. I think they have many great option. So mm-hmm. it's just switching it up a little bit. And right. again, that's not to say you can never have pineapple or like higher fructose fruits. Of course. It's just what is your go-to as like a daily basis thing? And I generally would think we benefit 
as a human race to just decrease the amount of sugar, even the fruit sugars. And another personal question, but bananas, I eat a banana every day, if not twice a day. Are Is that super high fructose? It is higher fructose than berries are going to be. But generally speaking, I find that most people tolerate bananas just fine. Okay. I think in the end of the day, if you wanted to look at how many grams of sugar, just to illuminate right. and like bring awareness to it, mm-hmm. is using like an app like Chronometer, which I have no connection to Chronometer. They just provide good data. Okay. It's spelled C-R-O-N-O-M-E-T-E-R. Mm-hmm. But it's an app. It's a free app. But you can look. I like it because it shows you the macros, which are the proteins, fats, and carbs. But it also shows you the micronutrients, all the vitamins and minerals we get from our food too. So just do it for like two days and see like what does a typical day in the life look like. And a lot of times we'd be surprised at like how much sugar we're getting Mm -hmm. from the foods we're having. Mm -hmm. So even if it's natural fruit sugar and then that raises awareness to say, okay, maybe the next day I'll have a little bit less than that. So banana is fine, completely fine, but it's what are we eating in in addition to that? Right. yeah. Okay. Like, is it the only form of sugar you're getting in the day or are you also having tons of other sugar? So right. It's completely fine, but it has to be in contact with whatever else you're eating. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to download that right now. That's amazing. So I'm sure everybody asks you this, but what does like a typical day in your diet look like? <laughs> I mean, I would love to know what question. you're eating <laughs> on a daily yeah. basis, just because you have all the information. Yeah, I do geek out on this stuff probably yeah. too much. But... No, not at all. <laughs> it's amazing. It's so interesting. I mean, you're obviously, it's 2019. You're not the first person that has told me that, you know, what we eat, it makes a huge, huge difference in how we feel and our energy output and, and everything. But it's it's just so interesting to actually sit down and talk to someone for a lengthy period of time and realize like how important it actually is and not just, you know, have these little thoughts and people telling you things in passing. I feel like you, you know, can also lead by example and, you know, are allowed to enjoy yourself as well too. So, but I, I would just love to know what a typical day in your diet looks like. Yeah, sure. Like I said, I see patients during the day. So mm-hmm. I'm busy like consulting patients online. So I typically like to keep it simple in the morning and I'll intermittent fast in the morning and I'll meaning I won't have anything, but I I will drink Earl Grey tea, which is like a black tea with bergamot in it. And the reason why I have Earl Grey tea is because studies have shown that bergamot, which is the citrus from, from Calabria in Italy, increases something called autophagy, which is cellular recycling. It's sort of our body's natural anti-aging, like anti-disease mechanism. It Uh fights cancer, does a lot of cool things for our health. Uh So basically fasting does that too. So I, in my mind, I'm like trying to upregulate autophagy using the Earl Grey tea with the bergamot and the fasting in the morning. And then I'm seeing patients. And then at lunch, I'll typically break the fast. I'll do like a 12 to six time restricted feeding or intermittent fasting Mm -hmm. window. And then I'll have something uh, from, honestly, a lot of the foods that I have in the inflammation spectrum, the recipes in there, mm-hmm. or Ketotarian, which is my first book. I like the chia seed pudding bowl. I like these pesto zoodles, which are like amazing. These zucchini noodles, which are mm-hmm. spiralized into these noodle-shaped things that are made up from zucchinis with this pesto avocado sauce. Yeah, that's really delicious. Amazing. And then, uh, you can add like some plant protein powder in the chia seed pudding if you wanted to add extra protein in that. Mm-hmm. And then for dinner, I have like some sort of like pescatarian option. Like 
this albacore tuna salad. I'll have something like that and these amazing avocado fries. Okay. I don't know if you've ever had avocado fries, but they're freaking amazing. Oh my and God, they, I have not. They sound delicious. Yes, they are so good. And they are like crusted with almond flour. They're in the book. And there's this chipotle aioli dressing, which is amazing too. So that's a typical day. And then they have like a sort of a higher fat smoothie if I'm hungry after that. But my main rule is like eat when I'm hungry, eat until I'm satiated. Yes. And that's basically it. So if like one morning I want to have breakfast and I'll I'll have breakfast. Right. But normally I'm just, I'm hungry around lunch and that's when when I'll eat. Right. So it's all different. Not everybody has to fast that way, but those that's a typical day for me. And are you a pescatarian? I'm not. I'll have okay. grass-fed beef okay. occasionally, but I'm predominantly like plant-centric with like clean, healthy fats from fish predominantly, and then grass-fed beef occasionally as well. Uh-huh. Okay, interesting. Because my other big issue is that I'm a really picky eater, but one of the only proteins I really enjoy and like is red meat. And Mm -hmm. so it's something that I know, again, I have to limit, but I probably am having it like three to four times a week, which is probably an issue, right? No, not necessarily. No, if you're getting good sources of it, which I'm sure you are. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the research is coming out that I think it's really overblown for most people to be that concerned with good quality meat. There Mm -hmm. are exceptions to that rule. There's some people's genetic SNPs, like the APOE gene SNPs that Basically, those people want to limit saturated fat, but it's important to point out that grass-fed beef is not just saturated fats. It actually has a lot of omega fats, too. Okay. So just overall, I would say as long as you're getting good sources for the average person, three to four times a week isn't too much. Okay. So we've talked a lot about diet and how we can change you know, what we're putting into our body. But on my podcast, I talk a lot about self-care and how important it is for us to take care of ourselves besides just what we put in our bodies, whether that's working out, putting on some music to dance, you know, taking a walk, deep breathing, meditation. What are some of the lifestyle changes and things that you recommend for people, you know, to take some control besides just the food. Yeah, it's such a good point. I mean, that that is one of the main points I wanted to get across in the mm-hmm. inflammation spectrum because mm-hmm. I see in my patients, like you can eat like the best like superfood meals, but if you're like serving your body like a big like slice of stress every day, right. you're counteracting all the good things you're doing mm-hmm. and it's sabotaging all the good healthy things you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So what's the environment of which you're even eating? Like what, what's your, what are you feeding your heart? What are you feeding your mind? What are you feeding your spirit throughout your day? Mm-hmm. So some things that I try to do and bring into my life and I talk about it in the book is are things like forest bathing, like getting out in nature. It's so easy for us, like, you know, whether you live in the city or just working in an office, yep. not getting out, connecting to nature. And mm-hmm. the studies coming out of Japan and Korea and looking at the benefits of, of being out in nature and what they call forest bathing, but it's just being out in nature and the benefits of that and connecting to our planet in that way. I think there's something primal and something very restorative. Mm-hmm. So I'm a fan of that. And you can sort of do that as a form of meditation. 
but also I, I'm a, a major fan of mindfulness meditation. It, it's free. You can do it anytime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just being centered and bringing things that center you into the present moment, whether that's present moment awareness, whether that's breath awareness, whether something that Eckhart Tolle calls inner body awareness. Mm-hmm. These are all practical things that it's so accessible to anybody. So that's another one. And I think movement, getting out and sweating, whatever that means to you. Mm-hmm. It's yoga for some people it's like high intensity like interval training for some people but it's just getting out and moving because so much of us are, are sedentary we're not moving enough those are some simple things and I think getting restorative sleep is super important and yes. it's one of those things that we don't pay enough like we know it's true we all right. know we should get more sleep right but it's like we don't give it the gravity of importance this is not like something that you're going to, you know, people say, I'll sleep when I'm dead. It's like, no, this is a mandate on your health. This is not a luxury. <laughs> so true. And I, my son has been waking up. No, I know. My son has been waking up at 5 a.m. every morning for the past week. And yeah. I am going insane. I, I can feel myself getting stressed out about things that I wouldn't normally stress about. My body feels like it's so warm on the inside that I'm like overheating on the outside. My skin is breaking out. I constantly feel like I have a headache coming on. And like, I just know it's because I'm not getting enough sleep. And I talked about this last week on my self-care podcast I did with my husband. And I sounded so, it sounded so simple. I was like, one of my tips is to get sleep. And it's like, oh God, like I'm, that's so basic. Of course, everybody knows that, but it's so, so, so important. Like, do you have any advice for any of us who are having trouble, you know, sleeping, falling asleep, or even, you know, waking up constantly in the middle of the night. Obviously, for those of us with kids, there's only so much we can control. Yeah. But, you know, what what can we do to help, you know, regularize our sleep situation? Yeah. Or regulate. Totally. Regularize is not I, a I, word. Regulate. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Yes. I knew what you meant. You got I, it. I do that all the time. That's yeah. another plant word. You should patent it and trademark it right now. Oh my God, I should. Uh, <laughs> uh, it works. So I have two kids too. I have a 13-year-old son and a 10-year-old mm-hmm. daughter and mm-hmm. they're 13 and 10 and we they're like jet lagged right now because we just got back from Maui on a family trip and they couldn't go to bed last night. And they woke me up like super early. And I'm like, I thought well, I'm past the toddler phase. Like, right. Why is this still happening? Right. But it doesn't end. And I think when you have kids like at a certain age, you just have to make the best out of it and get as much sleep while they're sleeping or try to nap anytime you can. Uh, I think around their naps, mm-hmm. uh, especially young in newer moms, mm-hmm. I think it's really important to to rejuvenate while they're napping to kind of fill your cup back up. But I think, and this is tough for parents because it's like, okay, the kids are sleeping. We want to have like some like adult time and just like watch TV, whatever we want and not watch like Disney Junior. Or not be sleeping. It's like the actual time when you and your partner can spend quality time together. You don't just want to go to sleep at eight o'clock once the kid's asleep, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But it's trying to bring that window like down a little bit more, like in the sense of if it's 10 p.m. you're going to bed or 11 p.m., like try to break it down a little bit because mm-hmm. two hours of sleep more or one hour more can do a lot, a lot. for your health. Mm-hmm. So it may not be ideal in those early years of being a mom or a dad, but at least it's going to be better. And it's increasing sleep hygiene. And I talk about it in the book, but basically things like essential oils, even CBD oil can help calm down at night. Okay. Things like chamomile tea. Mm-hmm. I love 
my weighted blanket. I don't know if you've tried this before. But my husband has just, it. I got it for him for his birthday. But it's just starting yeah. to get cold here. Or not cold. I mean, it never really gets cold in LA. But it, you're starting to feel fall in the air. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's been 100 degrees in the valley all summer. So we haven't had a need for the gravity blanket. But does that actually really help you? It, it does. It's like this proverbial hug from <laughs> your blanket. Mm-hmm. And it activates your parasympathetic system system it's your relax it's your rest and digest system Mm -hmm. um and that's why it's so good for like kids on the spectrum where they have like the excitatory they're always in the sympathetic state Mm -hmm. it's great for them but it's also good for the rest of us that are wired and tired that just need that sort of that calming sensation so i sleep so much better if i'm in a hotel Mm -hmm. i won't sleep as well with it. And I'm literally thinking of just like getting an extra bag and just packing up my weighted blanket whenever I travel yeah, I don't blame because you. my sleep's so much better mm-hmm. with Interesting. it. So, yeah, those are some things to think about. Okay. And then what about, you know, same vein, but struggling with anxiety? Like last night, I had a little fight with my husband before we got into bed. And then this morning I woke up with, you know, this anxiety. And also because Sonny's not sleeping, I'm just feeling like very depleted right now. What are some of the things that we can do on a daily basis to like talk ourselves out of that anxiety, you know? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. And, and anxiety has an inflammatory component. Mm-hmm. So there's mental, emotional, external stressors that impact inflammation, like Mm -hmm. getting in a fight or having stress at work. Mm -hmm. And then there are physiological components because I mean, I could go into great detail about it, but basically things going on with our hormones or things going on in our guts or things going on with inflammation will upregulate inflammation and impact our brain function. And there's a whole field of research looking at how inflammation impacts how our brain works. And that applies to anxiety, depression, and brain fog and fatigue. But some things to do that I love for brain inflammation and, and supporting healthy neurotransmitter function and lowering stress levels mm-hmm. are adaptogens. So it's like a field of plant foods and plant medicines that okay. have been used for thousands of years, but they all have a few things in common. And one of them, they lower inflammation and okay. they balance out our stress hormones, our cortisol levels, and balance out basically our anxiety system, it calms it down. So things like lion's mane, ashwagandha, rhodiola, uh, holy basil, these are all different adaptogens. So you can get them in, like even a lot of the juice or smoothie places in LA will have, they'll put them in certain tonics. Okay. Um, or you can get your own and add them to yourself. Like uh, Four Sigmatic has someone's Rebel, uh, R-E-B-B-L. Okay. They have... Like they're, they're in Whole Foods, but basically they have different drinks, but each one has an adaptogen in it Okay. Um, with, with some healthy fats and they're low sugar too. Okay. But you can cook with them. You can put them in your coffee or tea or smoothies, anything that you want. But I, they're for me, like my top, like anti-anxiety in addition to CBD oil. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And where do you put the CBD oil? CBD oil, I typically would just, they in a dropper is the way that I take oh, okay. it and just okay. put it, yeah, that way. I mean, you could do it different ways. You could mix the CBD oil in your tea as well. You could do it that way. Okay. Um, but yeah, those, those are my two like, like nature's. Xanax, nature's chill pill in many ways. We all need those. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so interesting, though, what you said, what really hit me about being outside with nature. What was the term you called it? Forest bathing. Forest bathing. So, yeah, it's a Japanese translation, which I would butcher, but basically it translates as forest bathing. It's It's really so true. I was recently in... Wyoming and we were there for a wedding but we got to do all these amazing things outdoors and I remember feeling like the happiest I had felt in a really long time and I remembered saying to myself like be present in this moment remember this like go back to this mindset when you're feeling stressed like think about this place think about the joy it brings you and you know so much of that has made me feel like gosh is Los Angeles really the place for me like am I the best version and happiest version of myself here and I think that there there's something really powerful in that and all of us asking those questions, you know? Yeah, totally. It's interesting that my wife is from Los Angeles. We used to live out there. Mm -hmm. And for like that reason, and just like, I guess, allowing the kids or giving my kids a chance to be in nature for a while, like we moved to the country uh, to get away. But you can get that in Southern California and you can get out there, uh, even like Santa Barbara and those Mm -hmm. areas Mm -hmm. that are you're not completely leaving Los Angeles, but it's still like getting out in nature more out there. Right, right. I mean, right. Los Angeles is still very beautiful. Like, you know, we yeah. have the ocean, we have our, all of our hikes. And I mean, it's an amazing place. But I know Los Angeles can just sometimes feel a little bit like a concrete when jungle. When you're in the thick of yeah. the shore. <laughs> yeah. New York's even worse. Oh, my gosh. Like, I know. My husband grew yeah. up there. I don't know how he stayed sane, but somehow... Um, He did. Okay. One other thing. I just want to talk specifically about, we touched on this a little bit, but just like, what are some of the major foods and beverages we should be 100% for sure staying away from? Well, I I would say if we want to go to like the things that I would say don't work for anybody, it's going to be high processed sugar Mm -hmm. uh, foods, which most people know, but I would say let's go a little bit level deeper here Mm -hmm. and Read labels and look at the grams of sugars on the label because sugars can come in very pretty sounding euphemisms. They right. can like sound like, oh, that sounds so natural, but it's really just another word for sugar. So uh, look at the labels, look at the sugar. I would say processed grains and wheats and things that turn into sugar, which are a lot of the grains and carbohydrates. Those would be things to at least look at limiting significantly, if not avoiding entirely. Mm-hmm. And I would say omega, high omega-6 oils aren't good in high amounts either. So that's going to be a lot of the additives in a lot of boxed snack foods mm-hmm. like canola oil and soybean oil and uh, sunflower oil. Okay, it's fine maybe in small amounts. I, I don't think you can avoid it entirely uh, if you're eating like out in, in restaurants and things like that. But it should be limited in something that should be at least looked at how much you're having. Right. Okay. Very good to know. Well, thank you so much for being here. Everyone, you must check out Dr. Cole's new book coming out October 15th, The Inflammation Spectrum. It's not just another diet book, right? It actually has meal plans and recipes and actionable solutions that fit everybody's dietary needs. I'm so appreciative that you took the time to do this with me. I learned so much from you. Oh, seriously. Thank you so much. I'll come back anytime you want me. Okay, good. And tell everybody where they can find 
find you besides your amazing books? Yeah, so The Inflammation Spectrum is on pre-order now. It comes out October 15th, depending on when people are listening to this. And uh, everything's at drwillcole.com. That's B-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. You can let me know what you thought of this episode or anything more you want to hear about. Thanks. Peace in the streets.